Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 319. This is your guide to the geek side. And I'm your host, Todd Oxtra. Joined by Charlie Carden. Seeing my way out of the fog that is the Lego hell. <laughs> I have been, Todd, as I was telling you, I was helping a friend uh, with the project, uh, getting some Legos ready to sell and some different collectibles and stuff. And uh, I, I will forever load Legos. And I don't want to get into details, but Legos are not for me. Um, well, but if other people enjoy the, them. Just the games. Just the games are for you. Just the games. If other people enjoy them, I have some to sell you. Please feel free to drop me a line. Oh, totally... And I was going to mention it. My sh- my friend, uh, Shanias, he lucked out and found the Millennium Falcon Lego set, which I believe retails for $800, found it for $300. Dude, I have five of them in this world. <laughs> so, and I would – I have absolutely – if he has not clicked the trigger – Oh, no, he have, already yeah. has. Yeah, I was going to say – found a good deal on it, so yeah, he's all set. You know, I give you a good deal on the Ghostbusters Firehouse, but that one has already been spoken for. That That's is a beautiful. That is a beautiful set, by the way. My friend uh, Ryan Hollenbeck, uh, who is the partner of our longtime friend Brian McGrain, uh, Ryan lives in Grand Rapids, has that set built in his house. It is magnificent, but it is also worth seven hundred dollars. I was so, going to say, too, once you build those things, you kind of can't do anything else with them except uh, put them in a glass case because children will destroy them. You'll well, lose that, pieces. The cat will eat it. You know. Exactly. So, yeah, you have to keep them pretty pristine. The second part of, of helping my friend with this project was there were box sets and there were loose sets. And I spent – I feel like doing the loose sets took even longer because I had to try to assemble pieces in different places. And it was – it was wow, it was really something. So, anyway, uh, bottom line, kind of TLDR here. I don't care for Legos. Don't talk to me about Legos. I get nauseous when I w- walk past Legos and Target at the toy section. So, but I will continue to love the games. I'm I'm, I'm working through my way through Lego Batman Three right now, uh, and we'll keep doing that because they're fun to me. What can I say? It's simple. I need to keep it simple. That's what I need. <laughs> kiss, 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 as they say, kiss, right, Charlie? Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, we are on episode three nineteen. So issue three nineteen is one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe, and that is the Mighty Thor. Issue 319. Uh, it's a, a simple story about a, a a boy who met a Zaniac. That's right, oh, kids. Oh, my goodness. That's right. It, You've got a freakazoid here with a flaming knife, and it says, the Zaniac craves blood. Oh, you my may, goodness. Oh, and I love this, too. You may hate his name, but you'll never forget it. You know, and that what makes me chuckle is that my, uh, my good friend Eric Zane, uh, Eric uh, Zatunian, known as Eric Zane here, uh, both here and abroad, is a broadcaster. He was in radio for many years. He's now a podcaster just like we are. I think he's making a lot more money than us because we make no money. Um, but anyway, the fans of his program uh, have always been known as Zaniac. So I will have to snag a copy of this uh, and get this over to him. And and he is also a Marvel Comics fan. I've, I know long ago I recorded it. He recorded an interview segment, he and I, uh, talking about that from his studio, and we played it on the show. So, uh, Eric Zane, thinking of you, haven't seen you in a long time, uh, but I will, uh, I'm thinking of you now, because I saw this wonderful issue from the salad days of the spring of 1982. Yes, and just to let you know, uh, if you're curious, the Zaniac was, uh, possessed Brad Wolf, who made his first appearance in this book. So check it out, Brad Wolf fans. I don't know if he ever returned. 
Oh, my goodness. My, my, my. So, well, good. Well, that's uh, fun stuff. But uh, without further ado, Todd, I think uh, that I hear the uh, the Tinny Creek uh, creaking voice of our biggest news correspondent. What was that lady's name again? I get a little forgetful. It must be catching. Ah, uh, yes, Charlie. Now is the time we check in with our gal pal, our senior news correspondent. So without further delay, Madam Webb, take it away. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Well, I know you saw the trailer for Suicide Squad, and you were wondering, why weren't you recruited? Because, Madam Webb, you can never die. So the government can't really uh, hold a threat over you. So, But, you know, Charlie, that is the first story this week. That is the Suicide Squad. Yes, th- I was fired up, and I think, Todd, it was you uh, that dropped this to me when I was you know, locked in this dungeon counting Legos. I still took a minute uh, to watch this trailer. It was 2017 if I'm not mistaken, that we got the first Suicide Squad film directed by David Ayer, and uh, much as mired with other DC projects of that time, it failed to impress. It underwhelmed. I'm sure it did some money at the box office, but to me, a colossal failure. I mean, I don't know. What what are, what, what are your, your ultimate vibe on Suicide Squad kind of the first time around? Well, similar to this, great trailer, right? but the trailer, I think gave the expectations and they just were not met and apparently similar to the snyder cut apparently david ayer said studio involvement got in the middle of it and it kind of cut up his movie uh bad plot uh not great character development really dumb villains right uh, you know what i i i Never trust a fart. But at any rate, uh, now we have uh, – and again, I, I'm, I'm somewhat quizzical at the name. Uh, this film is called The Suicide Squad. Is the first film simply called Suicide Squad? So this is so. felt to mean that this is different or, or, or this is a sequel or whatever it is. But uh, at any rate, our, you know, we got a Red Band trailer earlier this week or over the weekend. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but – this is this. Oh my God, this looks fantastic. Uh, James Gunn is directing, of course, most famous in genre circles uh, for the Guardians of the Galaxy films, uh, for the slasher horror film Slither, which Todd you had me watch. You know when James Gunn kind of came to prominence. But oh my God, does this look fantastic? So yeah, uh, for the R-rated trailer for Suicide Squad came out Friday, uh, and yeah, they they're not, they're not pulling any punches on this now. From the first film we're seeing. Uh, Rick Flagg, who is the uh, he's the handler for the group overall, but oh, yeah, he looks white like, guy. Yeah, he he looks quite different, but he also looks like he could be John Cena's twin brother, who is also in this film. Don't you think they just very much look? Yeah, like, there's like several the guys. And- yeah, and that first scene on the bus, they're sitting side by side talking to each other, and I'm like, is he a photo negative of because he looks? It's not the same dude because the actor is that Joel Kinnaman. Who plays Joel Rick Flagg? Yes, correct. Joel Kinnaman yes. is Rick Flagg, yes. Gotcha. And so, but no, throughout this trailer, we get an absolute cavalcade of B-list uh, DC Comics characters. Polka Dot Man being my absolute favorite, being David Dalmatian, who is, of course, uh, we had him in The Dark Knight. He was one of Joker's minions. We had him uh, as one of the flunky, one, one of the the cohorts in the Ant-Man films. Um, and he's just, just an absolute... Great cat, very weird weirdo. looking. Very, weirdo, yeah, very weird looking, very foreign. Baba Yaga, yeah, we, Baba Yaga, yeah, ba- Baba Yaga, exactly. 
But we've got, uh, you know, we've got Idris Elba in this. We've got John Cena in this. Uh, the only return, the only other returning character, I believe, is Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, uh, who is obviously the heart and soul of that movie. Um, God, Todd, I'm struggling to remember everybody that we saw because the cast blast, which they showed at the end, um, had like 25 names on it. So yeah, John Cena. Oh my God, uh, Alice Braga. Uh, yeah, David Dalmatian, Nathan Fillion. Oh yeah. gosh. Rooker, Pete Davidson, Peter Capaldi, Sean Gunn, and Flula Borg, your personal favorite, and, yeah. uh, as, as Javelin. Yeah, so oh, this is wild. I hope he's and, the and, first to die. I hope he's the first to die. Oh, that's so mean. His last name is Borg. It's very Star Trek. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, one thing I got super excited about this, I'm like, oh, you know, Suicide Squad, Six in Theaters, and on HBO Max, I'm like, yes! Because, you know, I... You tend to forget that that Warner Brothers has this deal that in 2021 all their all of their or at least some of their most significant cinematic releases will be mirrored uh, for a 30 day period on HBO Max, uh, which is great. I'm happy staying home. We got a big TV last year. We turn all the lights off and it feels like you know you're watching it on a big screen. Plus you can go get a beer, take a whiz, get a snack, whatever it is, and not catch COVID. Uh, which I'm very much a big fan of. Oh yeah, so, I mean it's yeah. it's 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 the best deal in streaming right now because um, while Disney Plus is pretty cool, they are not doing the same release strategy. Basically, they're giving you a few couple of series and then staggered releases, except for what they're kind of doing at a hybrid rate. So really, HBO Max, uh, yes, it's more expensive Disney Plus, but they're saving you the cost of tickets to a movie which will be more expensive than the month of the service so i i, I say that way it's just plus their catalog is so excellent so many good things it's, it's just a no-brainer um you know 15 bucks i think i got it for 12 bucks a month uh for six months or something like that i, th- um, I think yeah. i think we did the six month deal as well if i'm not mistaken so anyway this looks to be um to me and again of course i'm excited about black widow uh, i am a marvel zombie through and through but this looks like kind of the thrill right of the summer for me so i am i'm and at the end of the summer too so it's just it's finishing things with a bang uh being able to enjoy it uh you know from from the couch in the month of of august before you know we hit the fall so i'm very excited this looks like a blast so i would say this probably ranks very close to the top of things that i'm excited about uh as we move uh into uh the the summer movie season so give me more give me more yeah, and just one last note. Um, guess who's voicing King Shark, Charlie? Oh, tell me. I, I didn't catch that. Sylvester Stallone. That's who he is. I knew he was in the movie because his name showed up in the credits, but I, I didn't really – I didn't see him and I didn't connect the dots. So yum, yum. <laughs> yes. I think that's going to be a breakout character. And and if you're not watching it, um, uh, the Harley Quinn cartoon on HBO Max, which is not for kids either, King Shark is excellent. That played by Ron Funches. So oh, King well, Shark, it's it's his year. And he's also – King Shark is also on The Flash. So, man, he is like the biggest character in the DC universe. Right. Exactly. Yes, his time – his time has arrived. Yes, yes. So, uh, and I, I think this then pivots nicely to the other side of the comic book uh, cinematic spectrum, and that is, well, actually, the same side because it's once again it's DC uh, universe of heroes, uh, Warner Brothers films. Uh, we've got more updates on Black Adam, starring Dwayne Johnson. Uh, they just announced that. 
Pierce Brosnan will be playing the role of Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate is akin to a Dr. Strange regards a master of the mystical arts, but in this case, the helmet that Dr. Fate wears basically powers the possessor of it by the spirit of Con- not Kanju, uh, Nabu. I'm getting my my mystical Egyptian characters messed up. D- so d- yeah, don't 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 cross up your mystical characters. No, no, and actually everybody says, well, he's a copy of Doctor Strange. Well, actually, he debuted before Doctor Strange, so there you go. It's kind of crazy, but this is pretty cool. Pierce Brosnan is awesome. Uh, I I love him as James Bond. You know, other characters he's played throughout the years, so it's kind of cool to see him get a renaissance uh, and come back in. But um, this Black Adam movie, you know, we keep that thing. Is this ever going to happen? Truly is. It's actually going to be in theaters July 29th, 2022. They're filming it now. Uh, this is pretty exciting. Um, I think this could be very fun. This is actually taking place. Um, he's he's part of the Shazam, uh, basically, rogues gallery. But this is kind of interesting. We've never seen this before where a villain, essentially, uh, gets his own movie and then we've got the hero having his own movies, and assume, assuming because Shazam 2 is gonna is, is already been announced, so I'm curious how they will overlap. But they've always had a very interesting relationship, and I really like it. But um, this could be cool, and you know what, The Rock is cool as hell, and to see him finally be in a superhero film, this is pretty neat. Um, we've also got Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, Noah Centio as Adam Smasher, Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone. And obviously, Dr. Fate. So kind of a Justice Society. We're also getting that in Stargirl. So I love this. It's all coming together, Charlie. It's all Everything's coming up. Uh, JSA. You know what? Yeah, and, and again, I've, I, I've taken a, a serious tilt to DC lately myself. I've uh, been enjoying a lot of things. And I think it all kind of started with you tossing that DC Lego supervillains movie at me. That kind of that lit the spark. So I, I kind of... Hold you responsible in some ways, maybe not for good or for bad, but um, but yeah, I've been enjoying a lot of DC things. And again, uh, Pierce Brosnan is a super huge talent. I've uh, my very good friend Doug actually does a magnificent Doctor Fate cosplay. He's a uh, he's a creator, so he has a 3D printer, made a beautiful helmet, painted it, shined it up, all this. I mean, I did a photo shoot with him. Todd, Todd you probably saw the photo shoot I did last fall in Grand Rapids with several friends. One of them was my friend Doug as Dr. Fate and he nails it. He's got, he's got a book and he's got like a little, like he'll have a glove that he has like a little uh, strings to it that he can like make the pages turn and like do mystical stuff. So it's just a very well thought out deal. Um, so this is very exciting. And again, I'm happy to see DC take a step forward. We talked about Zatanna last week. So that's another dark DC character. When do we get something successful for Swamp Thing again? Because we know that that flopped. Can it be that far behind if they start to, experience some success i hope not i love swamp thing it's a great flick back in the day oh yeah well that was kind of the era of what uh, swamp thing you had like the doctor strange film so yeah uh it's hard to go back to those those movies but you know the justice league dark is something that could spin out of this too which we've been hoping that might happen so eh, totally. we'll see yeah you got it yeah dc seems to have uh they're on their way i'll say they have truly uh, right at the ship, but they are on their way uh, to creating some success behind that. So that is a good thing. So until they hashtag, uh, what is it? Uh, revive the <laughs> restore the Snyderverse. Oh, stop people. Stop. I, only time will tell, but the most reputable sources behind that say that it's not happening. So we'll see. Watch your clickbait articles. You might catch a different story. Absolutely. Uh, but yes. anyway, moving on, uh, uh, file this under, dog shit terrible ideas for 2021 uh the good folks at san diego comic-con announced an in-person event for thanksgiving weekend oh boy please 
don't. I so yeah, the big the biggest Comic Con in the world uh, is made by obviously San Diego Comic Con celebrating its fifty second year, fifty first year, whatever it is. Been around for a damn long time. Uh, but they're talking about finding a way uh, to do an in person event. Uh, in November, so right, actually this is right around Thanksgiving, on Black Friday um, to get things going again. And I got to tell you, I mean, we are, April and I are um, are vending in a small event this summer. Okay, we're uh, assuming that things continue to progress in a way that is uh, going to be safe for everyone. Uh, April's very conscious of it. She does have uh, some health concerns. That's why she got vaccinated before I did. I'm very excited to say I'm getting vaccinated next week. Uh, I know a large amount of people that get, get, are getting vaccinated and things are really moving forward. And that's great. But to have something of the scale uh, of San Diego Comic-Con at all in the year 2021, I, it really gives me pause. You know, Todd, and I know you, you yourself have been incredibly cautious about Everything related to COVID, you've worked from home for over a year. Your son has been home from school virtually for over a year. So I know that it's part of your everyday life. And you have family in the San Diego area. You've attended this event 10, 10 11 years ago. I mean, how do you feel? How does this make you feel? Um, it's, it's I'm of two minds. So, you know, kind of on, on two sides of it. November is probably acceptable because if we're supposed to have the vaccine widely open to you know everyone um as of you know whatever and then you're gonna get kids later potentially we could have anybody wants to get a vaccine vaccinated by that point at that point it's really people that don't want to get vaccinated so we may be at that point so which would be good um now a lot of people are still going to be gun shy about big events because that is you know people have kind of gotten gun shy to this so i get it so that is where is it going to be successful I don't know, but the what you don't do is you think celebrities and big names are going to say, oh, yeah, Thanksgiving. I got nothing better to do. I'm going to show up at San Diego Comic-Con. Hell no, they're not. This is a time where people want to be around their family and friends, you know, not just on Thanksgiving, but it's a time to get together and things like that. And then to make vendors have to go there and the people to show up for panels and just think of the nonsense at uh, air, uh, airports and everything like that. It's just logistically doesn't even make any sense. I'm like, what's wrong with a December, the second week of December where nothing's happening? You know, um, it's still warm in San Diego and people might right. want to get out of the cold or do this the second week of January or something like that. So this just makes no sense because it's not going to be um, the people that you want to be there are not going to be there because they don't want to be there on the holidays. <laughs> it's just dumb. Right. Yeah. It just, you're right. It just, it just doesn't really seem to add up. Uh, obviously no people are chomping at the bit uh, to, hop on top of this stuff but yeah is it too soon or even if it isn't too soon is the timing just bad do people not really think about wanting to be out doing this stuff when you know the expectation is you know this could be our first thanksgiving back uh in in a year over a year uh well no a year yeah since this has all been going on if this is really going to uh impact so and i know i was very satisfied with the virtual san diego comic-con because again i got to experience everything that everybody did globally and in some ways that's really great uh to not be packed in a hall with uh you know a bunch of yahoos you know basically giving you a, a communicable disease that would kill you that's not such a bad thing to stay yeah. home and watch that stuff that's okay 
Yeah, I mean, and lastly, I mean, if, if we're going to pick a, an event and timing for this, that would probably make 100% more sense is do it the week of Halloween. Right? Exactly. Yeah. No, I, and again, that's another, uh, that's another event that April and I are hoping to vend at is a Halloween event in Lansing that, yeah. that we did a couple of years ago because, yeah, it feels safe ish. Uh, and it's, you know, and it, it's had a good time to make that happen. So, guess what, Charlie? Just everybody has to cosplay with a mask. Uh, yeah, I will have to find a <laughs> Starfleet officer with a mask. I'll have to go as, uh, I can't think of one. Mascalon from some, the, the some, planet Mascalor. Some, some weird alien. I'll make it Mascalon from the planet Mascalor. I've made it up for you, Charlie. It's an uncharted, it's part of Star Trek's Uncharted Planets. Yes. Oh, oh well. If you're interested in San Diego Comic Con, let us know because you may be the only one there. Oh, well. Right, exactly. Yeah, there's no waiting. It's like no yes. waiting at Disneyland. Good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, next story is very weird. I did not see this one coming anywhere out of the blue, but apparently uh, the Thundercats movie, which I didn't even know was going to be made, is going to be directed by Godzilla vs. Kong director adam wingard so this movie is coming out this week uh i i had a snafu on that date folks i apologize it launched last week internationally but not in the u.s so it's launching actually tomorrow charlie the 31st very cool and uh, it's got a lot of positive buzz for basically being the best of the kong godzilla films very cool but the fact that this guy who i don't know what he's done before then is being asked to make the Thundercats movie is just really surprising, but it's going to be with Warner brothers, which I don't even know who owns the the rights to Thundercats quite honestly, who knows? Um, But it's going to be written by David Gogashal from scream, the TV series. Um, And it's also going to include Dan Lin and Roy Lee are producing, which is based on the animated series, obviously from 1985 to 1989. I don't know how they make that work, Charlie. Uh, exactly. You know, I'm I, I'm cold on things Transformers. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you picked up the affinity for that. You personally picked up the affinity for that that I have for G.I. Joe. So I, I drive that bus. You drive that one. Uh, those films that came out. I mean, I really struggled with the first one. Uh, but the ones that came out subsequently from that. I mean, Todd, have you ended up seeing all of them did you kind of watch them out of like oh i love transformers and i really i really got to tough it through mm, i did actually i'd never seen was it the last night movie i never saw that um but i really enjoyed uh bumblebee which did you saw that right yeah you're right that that was that was the one that i really enjoyed i agree with you there yeah so in the, in a way if they can go down that path and do something like that or make it I've heard there's going to be an animated. Well, we're going to talk about Transformers in a second. Uh, but in regards to that, you know, I don't know what they do. I mean, this is more like humans that are kind of cat like, which not hopefully they don't animate their bee holes in this either. <laughs> but I mean, that's the last thing I could think of is kind of the Thundercats kind of look like the cats characters from the cats movie. But I mean, r- they could r- probably r- rum, do rum, that. T- rum Tum Tugger and Mr. Mr. Stafalos. Yeah, I mean, if you if people liked Avatar and that a, what a horrible story, I mean, you could like Thundercats with with uh, Snarf and Mamra, the Ever Living, and Panthero and the Thunder Kittens. Uh, why not? <laughs> the th- that sounds vaguely sexual. I'm not interested. Thunder Kittens, gross. Well, I don't know what you're watching, Charlie, but I, don't, I, do, I don't judge. I say, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> so this is a conundrum, and I don't know if it'll work. But I was a fan of the show. It was not a higher on my level of like loves, but it was entertaining. 
um, and they made out of that, they made Silverhawks, and they made a show you probably have never heard of. It was called Tiger Sharks, which was essentially the same premise, once again, but with, like, aquatic creatures. It was very weird. Aquatic creatures. Yeah, yeah that one That one skimmed right over me. I assume it was – was it the same – was it another Sunbow or – Yeah, it was kind of, like, at the, at the end of its era of, like, those type of shows. So I think it just died on the vine. Right. Ouch. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. So – a band that I love very much, the Food Fighter, the Food Fighter, the Food Fighters. Food Fighters, the, I like that. The Foo Fighters, I like. No, Dave Grohl of Nirvana. There goes my hero sandwich. I go. Oh, there you go. You know, yeah. I was never, I was never a huge Nirvana fan. Even when, when Smells Like Teen Spirit came out in '91, I was a sophomore in high school, and I was like, uh, I don't get this. But maybe it took a couple of years, but Dave Grohl, who was the drummer of that band, once Nirvana was no longer, you know, thanks to the, the owing itself to the tragic passing of Kurt Cobain, uh, Dave Grohl struck out on his own uh, and uh, came up with the Foo Fighters, and I have always loved them. Uh, they did their favorite song I ever did, the theme song to the. Uh, no longer available, but you can find it on YouTube. Uh, TV sitcom starring uh, Flash's uh, Ed Kavanaugh. Not Ed Ka- Ed Kavanaugh? Tom Kavanaugh. Tom Kavanaugh. Uh, Ed. Ed. Yes, which launched the career actually of Julie Bowen, who went on to be on uh, Modern Family. I loved that show. I think I actually found it on YouTube and stuck it in a queue somewhere where I'm not standing on and watching. But they did the kickoff song to that. And I lo- I just, I've just loved everything they've done. Um, but anyway... Yes, they are. Add them to the list of musicians taking their talents to Hollywood. Uh, the rock band, uh, fronted by Dave Grohl, as I had mentioned, is starring in a brand new horror comedy for Universal Pictures. Uh, filmed in secret ooh, during the p- pandemic, we're told that Hatchet 3. So they're doing the third film in a trilogy? Isn't it, did we learn nothing from the the Star Wars sequel trilogy that you can't do that? You have to have a consistent well, vision. Well, no, the director the is, is 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 the he's the director is from the Hatchet film series. Oh, I sure. don't think this is a Hatchet spinoff. <laughs> Could be. Good. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it sounds like uh, while unconfirmed, multiple. Oh, Todd, great source, confirmed by multiple insiders, but no sources. What is? What the hell is this? Is this we got this? We got this covered? Covered? We're gonna get sued by the Weekly Planet guys. Watch out! Watch out for that lawsuit. Yeah, but the plot, Charlie, it's it's a a band is haunted during a recording session and become possessed, which it, which would fall right into those like and it was evil six one six or something where you called a hotline number and you could become you know make a deal with Satan to become a rock superstar. You know we had Kiss versus the Phantom of the Park. Which did you ever see that movie? <laughs> You you have stumped me on both of these. And oh, what's funny? My what's funny is that you you're 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 a scaredy cat. Admittedly, you don't do horror movies. April loves that kind of stuff. I have no idea what you're talking about. So you have stumped me uh, for something that is obviously quite vintage. So I, I I will give you that. That is not bad. Yeah, I'll have to look it up and maybe I'll put a trailer for like the Kiss uh, and the Phantom of the Park. Uh, right. Movie. But I remember that movie. Yeah, coming out. It was just weird. It was like a odd like live action Scooby Doo type thing. Very weird. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? So that's fun. I I enjoy Dave Grohl. He's cool. So this could be something if it you know pops up on Hulu or so this is something that if it uh, if it picks up on Amazon Prime potentially on Hulu uh, it would be one of those if April and I are scrolling through. It's so funny because our watching habits are like well what show are we watching rewatching or binging or do you want to take a break from that and watch a movie and then I'll bounce to the different streaming services i'm like oh we haven't done prime in a while and this is like something that would pop up that we would totally watch so 
Who knows? Especially if it drops in it drops in uh, October, which I would imagine would be the case. I am. I can only imagine it will get the highest critical acclaim. The highest. So uh, anyway, let's move from that into something that is entirely of interest to you. <laughs> yes, bumping to more uh, cartoon uh, cinematic universes. We're moving to Transformers, and this one really surprised me. Um, we've been hearing rumbling there were going to be more Transformers movies. The Hasbroverse, I guess, is what we're calling this, Charlie. Apparently, they've been doing all of these moves to really develop their core you know, mix of characters. The Transformers, G.I. Joe, I think My Little Pony falls underneath it, a bunch of other you know, toy properties. And they really want to be a generator of not only the toys, but also the media behind it versus being tied to other studios. So apparently, though, there's uh, going to be um, some different takes on Transformers. We talked about Bumblebee kind of being a prequel but probably more of a one-off. It didn't do very well at box wise, but it was probably the most critically acclaimed of the bunch, which is weird. Uh, but apparently uh, Paramount has given a blind script commitment to develop a Transformers movie for Marvel's Defenders showrunner. Ooh, ooh. Wow, the Defenders, Charlie. That ain't like a, 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 a really uh, a crap in a bag. Yeah. Uh, and director Angel uh, Manuel Soto uh, are tied to this film. But the problem is we don't know what this could be. Is it going to be like a continuation of the 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 Bayverse, which nobody loved by the end? Um, Clearly. Or is it I mean, something new? Uh, I, I could only hope for uh, a different direction because, again, you say the Bayverse, nobody loved it, but those were – multi oh yeah huge bazillion dollar grossing films but critically speaking i don't really hear people in our circles talk about how much they love them no that 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 is not my experience so um i can only hope for something new again bumblebee was fun but it was done you know part of the the backdrop for that was the setting uh which was in the 1980s which everybody enjoys the 1980s setting can you think of uh, a film that is the tilted in that direction that that doesn't that isn't fun in some way shape or form it's the 80s it's fun it's the era of fun people really dig on it but um you know moving to contemporary times can they be successful um trying to reinvent this uh or do they want to hitch their wagon to that which earned them critical ire you know so you're right <laughs> exactly it's, yeah exactly it's uh it's it's a tough road to hoe without a doubt yeah, so, I mean, they can go a couple different routes, but I think that the route of the Bumblebee movie is the right path if they're going to, like, still have humans be a main, major part of it. But I think the whole trope of Bumblebee not speaking more is kind of, like, played out. So they could do something different with it, but apparently they're even making a animated Transformers movie as well, which says there's two tracks. There's obviously been lots of animated shows with the Transformers forever uh, and they continue to come out uh and they take different uh tracks being more serious more cgi more cartoonish um but this animated one i you know it, it may I mean, it allows them to do multiple things for multiple audiences like something for the kids something a little bit more adult for you know the older fans so i'll be curious where they go i mean but you know if you think of anything transformers is probably the most evergreen toy series um, in regards to where it's been and where it's at and how popular it still is. And that's pretty amazing. So I'll give them kudos to that. And I'm a big Transformers fan of like the, the G1. But if they did something cool, like I like Beast Wars. I'm not a fan of the toy line, but I like the, the storytelling, which yeah. is kind of cool. So, I mean, there's different ways they could, you know, 
skin a a, a Cybertronic cat. Uh, and, di- and, di- different ways to, to, to shed uh, metal off the back of the backside of a Transformer is what you're saying? Perfect, yeah. Why not? So, yeah, we'll see if this happens, and this is interesting. If Paramount's making this, Charlie, it could be a Paramount Plus product. Right, and you have, you know, and again, hopefully we're coming to the era of where people are afraid to go out of their houses, so movies don't exist, but it's been a boon for us who have really enjoyed to be like, hey, there's a new movie out. You know, there's a movie out, and new movie out, the boss fight movie, which was like, eh, mediocre, or the the, the little things, which was a, a murder mystery that was on uh, HBO, which was kind of crappy. It's like, oh, I'm glad we didn't go out and spend money to go see that. That's nice, but again, got to take a chance, hopefully, to revitalize the, the industry uh, of, of movie going, which supports so many people. So, um, yes, I will. I would take a chance. Unless it was something associated with the Michael Bay movies, because <laughs> no, sir. Yes. yes. And the only thing I can hope for is we get an, another iconic song, like You Got the Touch. If we do, Stan Bush, we need you to create another winner. <laughs> that got to be the outro, uh, the outro music. Moving along. All right. So, yes, we're out of there, and it seems like we should be making our way on down the road to the appropriately socially distanced, bum drum heavy geek easy uh to talk a little bit about things that we are enjoying this week so let's do that talk nerdy to me talk nerdy to me and the geek easy they are now at 50 percent capacity and we are ready to get our nerd on drinks are poured and we are gonna start probably start kicking this off charlie with uh, we had falcon winter soldier episode two came out and so very quickly we can just give our takes on that we finally got our star crossed lovers to meet finally yes we brought the team together now they're together and they're also joined by johnny walker and battlestar it's funny he starts it being called yeah johnny walker he actually goes by uh, in the comics, after his death is faked, so he can be he can become the U.S. agent. He, he goes by the nom de plume of uh, uh, Jack Daniels, I think, or Johnny Daniels, or something. But it's like, oh yeah, that's can't, real can't call it a can't call it a liquor drink, right? Uh, but th- th- this is an interesting spin on that. So in in the comics, and again, I I, I mean, God, it's a broken record, but I talk about that that Mark Grunewald, the Captain run, which ran between Cap about three thirty two and three fifty in the original run, uh, that. John Walker was uh, it's funny because this episode reintroduces us to Power Broker, which is which yeah. is, which was the unlimited wrestling class federation uh, back in the 80s. So they were really capitalizing on the WWE or the WWF, whatever it was at that time um, of uh, wrestlers who were uh, enhanced by artificial means from the the uh, d- dubious Dr. Carl, Carl Malice, uh, who was the master behind power broker but you got a string of heroes that got their powers that way including john walker the super patriot and lamar hoskins who was the one of the this was kind of an interesting twist of the buckies or the bold uh, urban yeah, commandos yeah, yeah. Right. and it was funny yeah. it was uh, uh he was bucky one or whatever it is and the other two guys who um because they had criminal records, did not stay on with John once he was elected to be Captain America. Became left winger and right winger, which is a little, it's a little, too on, it's a little too on the nose. Oh yeah, oh, no, yeah. No. And they were the ones, and I was telling, I was kind of running this down for April. They were the ones who, in retaliation, revealed uh, Cap's tightly guarded secret identity on national uh-huh. television, which resulted in his parents being killed in front of him. Which is when he, which is when John Walker went nuts. Gotcha. He. 
he murdered the the uh, it was the watchdog group, all the soldiers that had that had killed his parents. He then went on to nearly murder left wing and right winger, and then he, he they teamed him up with the Freedom Force. He also almost murdered a bunch of people there, and so he was really bad until great track record. Yeah, Steve Rogers took him down and then ended up taking back the Captain America role. Then the government faked John Walker's death, and he, be, after some rehabilitation, he became the U.S. agent. There's yes. in, a, in, a, in a nutshell. So this, I'm just going to record that, Charlie, and I will just insert it every time. Yes, please. please. Yeah, my Mark Gruenwald <laughs> run. I just gave you yes. the whole spiel. But this this portrayed John Walker instead as uh, you know a uh, you know a serviceman, U.S. Army captain uh, who husband. was – yeah, a, a, a what? A loved husband. A loved was he? A, did he have a spouse? Was that the woman that he was talking oh, to? Oh, I just I didn't even really I just they they, they interlinked pinkies and kissed them. Right, right, yeah, childhood sweetheart. But anyway, he was essentially he they portrayed him as the pinnacle of human perfection. Oh, he's had this test, and they show him throwing the shield and doing all this different shit. But he is just a normal dude, as is the Bucky Battle number Star. one, who becomes Battlestar. Uh, his is Lamar Hoskins, so they give him the same name and everything. But both of them are not enhanced. And then in this episode, they do run up to uh, Aaron uh, Kellyman's character, uh, who is the basically the, they've kind of gender bent flag smasher, who is the one of uh, the core villains of Cap during this time period, uh, who is the guy who heads up the uh, the Ultimatum group, which they've adapted it to be post blip people or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but people who really believe that. Um, that the world uh, should stay borderless as it had time kind of became during the blip because 50% of Earth's population was gone. And so that led to the rise of radical groups like this. But these people are all, they're enhanced, but at the same time, they're on the run from the power broker. We don't really know why. Um, so they're really setting the table. Like, you know, by the end of this episode, they get to the part like, well, who can really help us? Who knows Hydra secrets? Zemo knows Hydra's secrets, and he's in prison. So it sets up that episode three, they're going to be connecting with Zemo. It's pretty obvious that he somehow gets free because you do see him in a lot of the promo f- uh, photos donning his you know, classic purple ski mask and kind of taking on his role as uh, a supreme villain um, in this storyline. So I'm enthusiastic. This was you know, really the first thing that I was fired up uh, about. Uh, this year getting into stuff loved obviously i loved wandavision but this is the thing i was really looking forward to so i am i am all in i love this it's the first thing that april and i watch on friday mornings at like you know 5 20 <laughs> when we get out of bed because we're so fired up about it so th- this is great i'm absolutely loving it yeah i mean i'm really like you said like a lot of the things they they they, they just dumped out they're like power burger. i'm like i know who that is um now i'm not 100 percent clear in the comics were they was that formula or were those pills or whatever they gave the the people to get those temporary powers was that also tied to the super soldier serum? Say that one more time. So the the power broker in the comics, right? So it was basically giving people or thugs superpowers temporarily. It, it, it did. It didn't. No, no. It was it was a permanent process. Didn't was have that permanent? Okay, it I wasn't didn't sure. have it didn't have anything to do with the um super with the super serum. soldier yeah. thing because oh that was another really key piece of this episode is they did introduce Isaiah Washington absolutely I was played bring by that up again. yeah played by Carl Lumbly oh yes uh, yeah who is uh, Judas from Jesus Christ Superstar. Well, I mean, and he was, he played, he played, he goes all the way back genre-wise to Buckaroo Banzai uh, oh, in yeah. the 80s. He was in that, obviously he was in Alias, uh, and it's just a great actor, but yeah, portrayed him basically as a super soldier from the Korean War who yeah. crossed swords with 
be, you know, for a time defrosted Winter Soldier. Uh, they crossed swords back in 51. Um, so, that, yeah, so this really reveal, re- uh, reveals to Sam that the Super Soldier thing never really went away. Um, yet it's kind of a weird cross-up because, you know, it's revealed in the Incredible Hulk film with Ed Norton and then in a, a little bit of research that, that Steve Rogers is doing in the early part of the Avengers movie and, and as told to him by Phil Coulson, well, the Hulk was really a result to really reconstitute the super soldier program. So were they trying to rebuild it yet? It did it work, but not work on Isaiah Washington because he then said, why they put me in prison. You know, did he go berserk? Cause that's what happened. And so yeah. they continued to work on it. And then in continuing to work on it, it was just ended up being, it being a huge mess. Yeah. it kind of reminds you of like themes of where was it? The, um, the, all of the uh, experimentation they did on, uh, you know, black students, uh, in the forties, like, uh, giving them syphilis and trying to come up with experimentation, uh, and to basically treat that, and, you know, all these different, uh, t- what was it? The Tuskegee airmen, they gave that, you know, they basically experimented on them. So, I mean, they, there's not a track record of, of treating, uh, you know, uh, people of color in the military back in the day, they treat them as basically commodities, which is obviously unfair, but I mean, I love that they showed him the fact that he is the same power of cap you saw him just in his 70s or whatever obviously it's a little bit different because um we don't know how super soldiers age because he aged we never saw cap age because he was frozen bucky's frozen so obviously they do age maybe at a slower rate because i mean he was like the korean war 51 something like that so his current age still looks pretty good for his you know a man who is probably hundreds maybe yes exactly he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got got to be. Yeah, so I thought that was an interesting take. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting with this power broker. Are they going to bring that in basically as this is how they're giving people powers? So I think these characters don't have permanent powers, and then maybe that's where they're running. It's not just medicine they're running, but maybe they're running the drug as well. So I and but who knows? We don't know who the power broker is. We heard it, but we didn't see um, that. So that's I like that overlaying with Isaiah. I like they're just dumping a lot onto people that are like, if you don't know it, catch up. I love that type of storytelling versus overbearing us with all these you know prequels and stuff. It's like, they'll tell us what we need to know and they expect us to be intelligent watchers and we can catch up, which is great. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So we had some good, um, action scenes, which were pretty cool. Although I'm still so curious, how does Johnny Walker throw that shield like captain? Because we assume cap did it because he is powerful and can do these things, but everybody else can just throw the shield and get the same effect. That to me, it seems odd, so I don't know how that works, right? Right, and especially it's funny when you think about the Civil War and the you know G G golly whiz uh, attitude of Tom Holland's Peter Parker as Spider Man saying that shield does not obey the laws of thermodynamics, you know? Because yeah. yeah, you're right, you couldn't really fling it and have it do any of that shit. Yet it's revealed, and I know it goes way back to the comics uh, that Cap wears a magnetic gauntlet that draws mm-hmm. it back to him, and you also see that in Age of Ultron during okay. that opening sequence. Um, and I get that drawn back to him, but yeah, how does, how can, you know, how does Cap throw it and it goes bing, 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 and knock things down. And so it's very comic booky. So yeah, you're right. You don't necessarily feel how a normal guy, no matter how, you know, physically fit or, uh, or, or of a, you know, of a super athlete he is, could make that thing happen. So it's kind of your, it lends yourself back to your suspension of disbelief. Um, 
Yeah, so it's just it's weird. Yeah, I don't think there's really a great explanation. Yeah, but it's it's I'm really appreciating it, and this is kind of there's some like actual like pushback on the show, which I find interesting. Like it's boring. Um, it's not the same. I mean, if people are people thinking that all of the Marvel shows are going to be like you know, uh, WandaVision, and you know, it, because they weren't supposed to be. That was show was supposed to be about defying expectations because of what it, the story was trying to tell. This is going to be more like a mini series that set up like the Winter Soldier, uh, those type of uh, movies just in a different format where they can do more characterization, which I think what most of us wanted. Right. So right. I just, no, I'm I just agree. really, I'm just amazed that people are like, Oh my God, blah, blah. I'm like, what were you expecting? I think WandaVision is going to be the outlier. Maybe Loki will be a little bit different too. Um, but the other shows that are in the future, which uh, beyond Loki trying to remember the next live action is that Miss Marvel I'm trying to remember what's next um, after that. Well, is it Hawkeye, getting... Hawkeye, right? Right. Well, we're also getting over on Hulu. I think Modoc overlap. Oh yeah. As well. So yeah, that Modoc. Oh, I'm really fine. I can't believe we didn't we didn't put that as one of our new designs. Oh, you know that show's coming up very soon. But yeah, you know, yeah. with a, with a, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be very cool. And and I think what Marvel will do, and it's going to benefit them very well, is to tell the story. Then they need to buy each of these. They don't have to do the same thing. So I Loki's going to do its own thing, and I think Hawkeye will get us more to this type of storytelling. But then the future stories may do something completely different so i'm I'm very pleased with this right yeah totally no i'm fired up so well cool good deal and you um the other thing is i did touch on i started to read uh the first volume of the trade paperback of invincible because i know we're going to be talking about that uh, with my high school friend alex ignatiev who's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks so i started reading that trade i'm enjoying it so far um and it's you know touches upon yeah it's it's a it's an alien comes to earth as kind of an expeditionary force uh and has a son the son starts to develop superpowers which kind of touches upon like superman and lois that's going on right now which april and i are really enjoying um and and kind of the dynamics of that so it's cool but again i've read you know it's the first trade which is four issues so maybe I've, i've gone through the first of it so um so yeah yeah that's that's i will tell you this uh just like this the episode i'm not sure how it's paced but uh the um the the trade um i i read the omnibus i think which was 25 issues when i read it so i that was a long time ago i'm gonna re-check in with it but yeah i mean so i don't remember the pacing but all this stuff is very familiar when i actually watched the animated series which debuted friday for the first three episodes um so i don't know where you're at i'm not going to give spoilers or anything we're going to obviously talk like we said we'll talk about the first trade and where we're at in the series because by that point there'll be five episodes out so i really just want to kind of give my my quick take on it um from how it plays out and what you're going to expect so i would say i don't know if you're at the point charlie where it really um there, there's there's a reason why this this is a, a different and a very unique comic book. I would say at this point, it's Superman crossover with Spider-Man in certain ways. Teen angst that you haven't really seen with Superman before with uh, the, the abilities of Superman, but with the alien piece. So it's a little bit of both, right. but right. there's no dead Uncle Ben. <laughs> so that's a little no, bit weird. Yeah. No, no Uncle Ben's rice. Yeah, exactly. So in this instance, um, the first episode is longer than I expected. I thought this was going to be a 22 minute uh, first episode. It's like 40, 47 minutes. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I'm like, ooh, okay, they're doing this. Um, This is Robert Kirkman, too. So just keep that in mind. Does Robert Kirkman make simple stories? Does he does he really do things that are just one note? And I think you can say if you say yes, 
He does. Then you're wrong because he doesn't do one no things. He does things that tell stories on different levels, and he has a different take on the zombie apocalypse, different things like that. And that's what this is. The first episode, I would say, stick with it because after a while, like, oh, is this just like going to be like a kid's animated show? No. State of the art. <laughs> it will blow your mind. Ouch. Yikes. I, yes. I, 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 I'm intrigued. Yeah, so I, I think you're going to like it. But the first three episodes are out. So I'm like, wow, they're dumping it. And indeed, just a claim for this is like, wow, this really nails it. So I am so happy to, to, to see we're finally getting superhero animation that can tell really good stories on many levels, which we have not really gotten before. We've had like uh, dribs and drabs of it. Like Spawn did a unique animated series back in the it was on HBO. It was more adult. Um, we've had that. We had the Batman the Animated Series, which was like all ages, but did dip in. And then we've got the like the X Men series, which really was trying hard to recreate those classic stories, but bad animation, not good acting. So you kind of like got a. It was half baked, but as a young kid, it was cool. Um, so I'm glad we're getting this, and maybe we'll get more of this because Spider Verse, I think, is the last thing we got which seemed like a really awesome take on superheroes in the animated genre. So I hope we get more of this and we're going to get more of what are we going to get? What if, um, right. Yep. Coming yep. Soon. And I hope that's a precursor of this is, we're going to see stories told in this way, because I think Disney plus could be a great Avenue for Marvel storytelling. Same thing with DC doing, you know, Harley Quinn and, and those type of things. So I, I just want more of this. So I am very satisfied after reading, uh, like I said, the first episode is 25 issues of invincible. Watching this first episode, knowing where they're going to go, I feel very satisfied. And I will tell you, Charlie, uh, J.K. Simmons is the dad. So oh, we love yeah. him. It was I was just watching it again with because uh, I'm staying here at my friend's house. We were watching uh, the Justice League again today, the Snyder Cut. And, of course, J.K. Simmons is um, is Commissioner Gordon. And I always point out, you know, I'm like a broker. And I always point out he is from my hometown of Gross Point, Michigan. So he he is my lake dwelling brother. Love J.K. Simmons. Great dude. Yeah, so he's he can do it wrong. And actually, I bought that movie because Logan's big into music. That movie he was in where he was basically playing a band instructor who was a little bit of a jerk. Uh, I think it was called Whip Smart, Whiplash, Whiplash. Yeah. So I'm gonna watch that with Logan. So I I bought it. It was like a dollar on Amazon. So if you ever wanna watch it, let me know. It's there to watch, Charlie. For a dollar, I bought it. So I I I have seen it, but I enjoyed oh, you it. Have? But okay, good. If I okay. ever wanna watch it again, I will let you know. Oh, excellent. Okay, so that is it for the Geek Easy's folks. So, man, we are just enjoying this golden age of television uh, as long as you have streaming services. And it's awesome because what's on regular TV, I don't think I've watched regular TV in a long, long time. That's I was having the exact same conversation recently. I said I, I, I even the network shows that we followed, I don't even know that we're tuning into them anymore. I feel like we've completely switched gears and we're either watching new release movies or the occasional streaming service show that comes up there's so many that it's just network it's just it, for us personally and again everybody's viewing habits are always going to be different really just it feels like it's absolutely shrinking down so it's just it's just very weird yeah genre television on the main networks doesn't really exist anymore unless you're like into animation on fox so that is it for the geek easy folks now we're going to go on a distant destination to where every bunny has been vaccinated and that's the thunderdome welcome to another edition of Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome, where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. 
this week we've got a new topic, um, which is not exactly we, – we've been doing more books and things like – which is good. I, I'm hoping we'll continue this uh, ch- chain of uh, reviews, which have been very fun. Looking back at um, classic stories – and potentially we'll look at new, some new stories, depending on what comes to our services of comic books. Um, and that uh, series this week is an Elseworlds tale, which Charlie is a big fan of, and that is JLA the Nail. Uh, this is a series from 1998. It was a three-parter, but in prestige releases, so they were like 48 pages each. Very right, big. yeah, it was a big one. Yeah, yeah, drawn and written by Alan Davis, who probably came to fame from his work in Excalibur, that X-Men spinoff book, um, and basically... Basically, the premise is it's set in a parallel universe where Jonathan Martha Kent's truck experiences a flat tire caused by a nail, which then stops them from discovering a Kryptonian spaceship outside Smallville containing the baby Kal-El, negating Superman. Um, And obviously, this is inspired by the classic tale, uh, or I guess it would be a poem back in the day. Uh, For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the knight was lost. For want of a knight, the battle was lost. So it was a kingdom lost, all for want of a nail. And that's exactly right. what this tale tells. Right, uh, yes. You, you just push, you put, there, it reminds me really of a, uh, probably my favorite Elseworlds tale uh, of all, which was they did uh, three different ones for the original trilogy of Star Wars. And this would be through, it wasn't, Dar- was it, I'm trying to figure out if it was Dark Horse or if someone had the license between Dark Horse and Marvel. For Star Wars, no, it was, just, it was just a Dark Horse to Marvel. So yeah, so this would have been a Dark Horse. So they back in uh, 05 or something that was post post prequel trilogy. They did well. What if uh, Luke's missile didn't destroy the Death Star? What happens then? And then uh, that was a whole separate tale. And then a completely separate Elseworlds tale. What if Luke uh, died on Hoth in the storm before Han found him? What did that? Oh, look? not a not you a know, space nail. Exactly. Yeah. And then what if in Return of the Jedi, uh, when three, this was the flimsiest one, what if when 3PO got knocked backwards by Jabba the Hutt in the beginning, he, he, he broke and then couldn't translate and then everything got thrown off and they didn't rescue Han Solo. And so it's, yeah, so the overall point is, is that, yeah, you take a simple minor factor, you know, like what if, and then how do things spin off? And then this was an obviously much larger tale of it, but with enormous repercussions for the way that, that people really view metahumans or superheroes in this universe. So yeah, big time. Yeah. I mean, and that's, what's great about Elseworlds and DC really, and I don't know what the first Elseworlds was to be honest. It might've been dark Knight returns, uh, but you know, someone could probably look that up, but yeah, I mean, that's what they're famous for telling these stories, taking these classic characters and just changing things slightly. The what if uh, Marvel did what if, but they were typically one off episode uh, issues and they weren't prestige in a way. They were just kind of like throw away. I don't know if they really, you know, put much more. It was always the B team typically nothing really exciting. And DC just decided we're going to really wretch it up a notch and do something really exciting in a prestige format. And so this one was kind of neat because everything felt the same in a large extent. I mean, the heroes looked all the same. You really didn't see um, a big change in how they looked, their power set, uh, and their roles. And it felt very, very much felt like a classic 
Justice League type uh, lineup. Uh, the, the 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 images kind of just remind you of those classic superpowers characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jose Luis Mer- oh god I, I'm gonna kill his name but he was gonna he was like the guy that actually created all the character models for DC like in the 70s. There was like what you had to use if it was gonna be used for like marketing or toy or like right. like like uh you know pillowcases things like that so right, really yeah, all, iconic, yeah, all, yeah. all your merch so yeah so you're saying he was the primary on this i believe yeah. well yeah. adam neil alan davis was but i think he took his 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 just his thought and oh just used with those character models so he didn't really yeah. veer from uh classic I'm, looks and i absolutely love, i'm a big fan of classic looks you know i not necessarily growing up uh, seeing, uh, you know, John Romita Sr., his art, but definitely going back and kind of reading that the way I did because I was a massive uh, buyer of back issues when I first started uh, because they were cheap. We'd go to Argos Books, which was the local used bookstore in my neighborhood in Easttown uh, in Grand Rapids, and it was easy to pick up these back issues. So I got all, and then we also had for Amazing Spider, and we had the Marvel Tales, so it was easy. They were cheap, easy ways to read all these older issues, and John Romita had this very crisp, clear, it was cartoonish, but really very realistic. And so it felt, it, it didn't really take a lot of chances kind of with the art. And that's kind of what I felt about this. It was like, I saw a green lantern and he looked like super friends, green lantern. And so did wonder woman. And so did, you know, the Joker and Batman. And then, uh, but yeah, several very maniacal twists in this, I think. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Like, yeah, it, you know, Joker uh, gets his hands on, on, uh, you know, Kryptonian tech and, murders robin and batgirl it's like and batman has a psychotic break because he can't stop it and so he just he just sits there decomposing in a chair for weeks after the fact before selena kyle who becomes his new robin or she took takes on an alternate identity um but the two of them become a duo uh subsequently to you know to kind of move the plot forward and, and stop things um but god i really loved this story this was and this was one todd you tried to get me to read this about five years ago and he gave me the hard copy and and again todd and i if you know you don't know i i live in michigan he lives in minnesota we get to see each other pre-covid about once a year at, at a con or stuff and he's like read this stuff and i'm like okay and it goes on a shelf sorry i'm i'm a bad i'm i i i'm a before the age of digital i'm a bad reader picking up a book or making a, a commitment for it so having assignments like this really does shove me down the road of being like all right, fine, I'm going to get into it, I'm going to read something, because it's convenient and I can take it anywhere, and when I know I have homework, for lack of a better term, it really kind of nudges me in that direction. I, I really have learned in the, the busy, you know, humadrum of, of everyday life, that for me that's a great way to direct things, so I like that, that's kind of what got me to read this, or or rather, was this was this my idea to read it? It was your idea, yeah. You you brought it back. Was like I'm trying to remember, did I read the whole thing? And I don't know if I ever read the finished it, um, right. because I think you had it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's okay. sorry. But that's it, that's it, okay. It may st- I may have to go peek on because a lot of things end up on the bookshelf, which is oh, yeah. I, I guess I'm I'm a victim of the sin of like it looks good on a bo- it looks good to have a bookshelf with a bunch of books that maybe I've never read. It, it happens. Forget. Yeah, you it, just forget it, what you have. Um, yeah. So I mean, and what it makes it easier for us to do these type of projects, it makes it far easier to say rather than buy you know physical issues, just you know if you just subscribe to the app or share the app or whatever. So it makes it far easier. There's not much that's not out there that's you know unless you're reading a brand new book that you can't get through. One of the services we get, so which is which makes this for a lot of fun, easy lifting, easy, very easy to get through. Um, and man, oh man, I, I tell you, um, Alan Davis, he's a he's a Brit, um, and like I said, he started off really in Excalibur. His art is so clean 
Um, and I would say, you know, one of my least favorite artists is Mark Bagley, but I would say <laughs> Alan, Alan Davis is like, I, I think is what Mark Bagley was trying to, to cop his art style. Um, but it's, but it's sense. not as refined. And I think in this way, the art was so beautiful. And, and, and I've seen current Alan Davis. It's not as good. And he does feel kind of like dated when he shows people in their clothing. They look like they're in like the 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 the, mid, the early 90s. So it's kind of like, oh, dude, kind of like Bagley as well. So this is like to me the better version of Bagley, which I like and I enjoy quite a bit. It's more iconic where Bagley is fast and he's a workman artist. And so I, I really think he really – and the fact that I – this might have been one of his first – stories he actually wrote because i don't think he ever write, wrote before but considering he wrote this and uh, i think it's a good story now the writing i don't know if it was intentional or not charlie but at times i felt like this is a very of its well before its time story i don't know if he was going for that take but it felt like it was something something from the 80s in a way the dialogue was written very like the uh overtones yeah. of them talking about what they're doing using their right. powers and i'm like they're, right a yeah. lot of a lot of over talking, I think, would be yes. the best way to describe it. It's like very, you know, kind of Stanley Jack Kirby like who's a word balloon with ten thousand words on a single panel, you know what I mean, or what it feels like. So yeah, it's yeah. like talk themselves versus a, a thought balloon, which I'm like, right. like why are you talking out loud? Exactly. <laughs> Nobody needs that. So it's it's yeah, I mean but it did feel like a throwback story, and I think that was perfectly fine considering – and I don't want to go – I mean th- th- this really was kind of a mystery story because really trying to understand what was going on in the world. Uh, there was some attacks going on, some anti-metahuman uh, discussions, uh, some 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 unrest in that world. Uh, they said something specifically, well, Metropolis never had a hero, so there was always unrest and things like that. And that's where Lex Luthor, the mayor, stepped in and tried to you know, use this police force. And so um, it was different, and there was the overtones of no Superman being there. And we don't want to give the whole thing away because we kind of – but I think the premise and where it led um, – it was a really an engaging story, so I think you should check this out. Like I said, we don't want to give it away everything because uh, we want people to read this, obviously, versus just we tell them everything and in in, in all the plot points and they don't check it out. Because I think that's half the fun with comic book, just reading and seeing the art versus just hearing the story. Absolutely cool. Yeah, I did. Like I said, I I I enjoyed this. Uh, it really did, um, you know, spurn my enthusiasm. Uh, to read more DC stories, I'm really on kind of a kick. Uh, you know, Green Lantern has been a huge uh, interest of mine, and I know that we had discussed um, approaching uh, breaking down some very specific arts and kind of having a Green Lantern ongoing spiel to it. Because again, I've told, and I mentioned when we were talking about Justice League, it's my fondest hope that the next biggest, greatest thing that DC can do on the big, the big or the small screen is to make green, the green lantern or basically the lantern core, a huge hit, you know, and, and something that's, that's really done the right way. So I have my hopes for the lantern core. Let's see, see if we can make that happen. HBO make Max, happen. your only hope, cause they are developing a green lantern TV series on yes. HBO Max, which I hope, like you said, is done well. Um, even if it doesn't have Hal Jordan, I'll take any of the, the, the lanterns because they have such a great group and maybe right. they'll, Hal back in a different format, but you know I don't want it to end with um, the weirdo uh, alien who looked like Tomar Ree in the Snyder Cut, and I don't right. want it to end with um, the Ryan Reynolds crap fest. Oh my god, yeah, with uh, with one of the scars guards with the big head. Yeah, bad, bad, bad juju. But yeah, so um, and and folks, um, just to give you a precursor, what we're gonna talk about next week is obviously we talked about 
Kong vs. Godzilla. It's coming out. We're going to have our friend Joseph Moran come on to talk about that movie. And if I can fill it in, I'm going to watch Peter Jackson's King Kong because I never saw it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Dude, that it's like it's like ninety seven hours long. It's 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 shorter than the Snyder cut is all I know. <laughs> oh my god! It, oh, yeah, I I think I have seen it once, but it was I, to me I remembered it being pretty excruciating. Maybe I'll just so. play the Kong video game on Xbox three sixty. That, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that 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 does that does have merit. I don't disagree with you. So yeah, absolutely. Oh anyway. well. That is it for the show. Hopefully you enjoyed that comic book selection. And by all means, uh, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but if you have any stories you'd like us to revisit or read, let us know and we can check it out and would gladly do that because we're always looking for recommendations. So I think we need to put that out in the Twitterverse, Charlie. Uh, yes, please. More of that. So I think we are going to ask for recommendations for future stories for us to talk about on the show. But before uh, we do that, or well, after we do that, um, Charlie – how can people check in on Secret Friends Unite? Well, absolutely. As Todd mentioned, Twitter uh, is a big one for us. At Secret Friends U, uh, the letter U, uh, is a great way to reach out to us directly. Uh, let us know something you're enjoying, something that you'd love to hear about, uh, and we will you will hear about that from us uh, on the show. And when I say the show, I mean the show is uh, uh, we are a part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network consisting of four different great programs spanning the universe you are currently obviously listening to uh secret friends unite prime as i come to refer to it when i talk about it uh todd and i've been doing this show since 2014 we talk about geek culture at large uh this is just two high two, two college friends finding an excuse to get together uh and talk about the things that we love todd also uh bi-weekly does the co-op mode podcast uh with mark uh carabin the canardian uh who similarly does another show with me on the opposite week called the holocron chronicles which talks about star wars uh and then weekly i with uh i do uh, a show called code 47 about star trek with my uh starfleet international fan club cohorts aaron and rich uh where we're currently breaking down uh heritage shows but we're waiting for definitely new content uh, to join us. Uh, all of our shows are available on essentially podcasting services across the sphere of uh, influence. Uh, Todd also very nicely mirrors uh, our shows over on YouTube, uh, audio version, so you can find us that way. Uh, we also have a great store over on TeePublic. Uh, and TeePublic is nuts. I was skimming through there uh, just the other day looking at coffee mugs, and you can only not like you get a coffee mug, but you can also get like a coffee tumbler to take go in the car that would have your secret friends uh, show logo on it. But also T-shirts, hoodie sweatshirts, baseball tees are kind of a favorite of mine, wall art, pillows. I mean, they got a lot of different merch. Um, benefits of that actually do support the show uh, and our efforts to grow and do a website, things of that nature. So uh, any purchase there does actually support the content that you're listening to. So uh, please pop on there uh, and make a purchase and support us as we uh, look to bring you some more entertainment. So that's about the size of it. I'm going to tell uh, you as always, uh, thank you for joining us, uh, that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. There goes my hero sandwich. Too alarming now to talk about. 
Take those pictures down, check it out. Truth or consequence, say it aloud. Use that evidence, race it around. There goes my hero, watch him as he goes.